day. We, given this Sunday is the week before Christmas, and Christmas is falling on Sunday this year, it presents some logistical challenges. And so today we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the reason for the season. That's the title of the message. The reason for the season is, now you're familiar with the saving, it sounds very familiar to Jesus is the reason for the season, but I want you to think about it and we're going to kind of expand things just a little bit. And it seems appropriate that we, because I, we, we won't be able to get together because of some of our logistics on Sunday morning of Christmas, that we read to you from the book of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with the child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see these things which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they, were wi- they made widely known the saying which had, was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled by those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we are reminded then to think about for what purpose was he born. We can quickly think of John 3.16. It tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his Son. God gave his Son. This is why why Jesus came, that we might not perish. He so loved the world. And this love is not the kind of love that you would 
have a, I just love chocolate, or I just love something like that. It's not a love that's just a feeling that, that uh, goes along. I know sometimes it, um, they call it puppy love. I listened to a message by Billy Graham one time, I was, and uh, they say, oh, it's just puppy love. You know, it's that love that maybe, I don't know what age it starts, but it could be a junior high or freshman or in high school or whatever age. And they'll talk about, oh, it's puppy love, but Billy Graham uh, would say, but it's real through the puppy. But it's a different kind of love. Nowadays, love is, is uh, you walk up to someone, and, and uh, I've been around people that perform on stage from time to time, and they'll say, oh, I just loved your performance. And every, every performance that's going on, they'll say, I just love this or love that, and I'm not even sure they have always even saw the performance, but they loved it. Um, and it just kind of gets cast out of there as this, I love this, I love that. And it's like, what do they mean by that love? It, is it a feeling or is it just an emotion? Or what, what is that love? Well, this love is the kind of love that's a lasting love. This is a kind of love that is a love in spite of. It's an unconditional love. God loves us. Now, if we, we can do things to, to, he loved us while we were still in our sin. Scripture will tell us. So he loved us. It's a, it's a, it's a decided on love. It's not a feeling love. It's not, it's not a love that in the moment, in the moment, that if someone's has a disagreement, that it's easily broken. I think some people get married for the wrong kind of love. A lasting love is that kind of thing that you in your marriage, you might have a disagreement and things like that. And there's times that you may or may not completely want to be around your spouse for whatever reason. You've disagreed on something. You don't hate them. You never stop loving them. You still love them because it's deeper. And they know it's deeper. And it's not this wishy-washy kind of thing that goes away. It's that, that love that... When you have to punish your children because they do something that's wrong. You don't really want to, but you know you have to because it's good for them. It's this kind of, it's this kind of committed love that you're supposed to have, men are supposed to have for their wives, just like Christ laid down his life for the church. We're to be willing to lay our lives down for our wives. It's that kind of love. It's that deep love. He so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. But we, we have to remember not to remove Jesus' love for us as well. We understand as a triune Godhead that is all God, but we also remember there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Distinct personalities. So let us read and think, uh, look at things of what, what did Christ do? What did Jesus do? And for that, we'll turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And there we're going to read verses 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2. Now, for some of you that are, um, have been around Scripture for a while, you might also think of John 1.1. 1, 1. 
a little bit, and you'll see some highlights as we pull this out. But we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We're going to focus a lot on verses 6 and 7, but let's read um, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of, the, of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We go back uh, to verses 6 and 7. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of the bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. So let's consider verse 6 there, where it says, considered it robbery to be equal with God. Your translation notes, if you have a New King James Bible, maybe if you have another translation, you're going to find it, say, or something to be held on to, to be equal. He didn't consider that, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And that's verse 7, you have notes there, emptied himself of his privileges. So you're like, what does this really mean? What it's meaning in 6 and 7 is, even though he did not think it robbery, it just was not, it was fathomable to him to be equal with God. It's not, he's God. But he made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself of his privileges and came as a babe. Just think about this. In John 1, 1, we talk about how, and in, in, in that passage of Scripture, that Jesus was there at creation. Jesus was there at creation. And here it says that he was there at creation. All things were made by him and through him. He was involved in creation, but now we have Jesus as the baby. This is important doctrinally because some might consider that Jesus was born and was a good individual. Some might consider that he was born, that Mary too was sinless, but Mary was not. Mary was born in sin like the rest of us. But he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and was born and took on the likeness like of man. He was all man, but he was also still all divine. But he limited himself. Imagine taking God and putting him in a container the size of us. He humbled himself and even to the point of death on the cross. It's even interesting when we think about that is if he was born without sin, we are born in sin. But he was born without sin. Remember, you've heard the song that he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. He delivered himself unto death. He allowed himself to die. But he limited himself. And this is important because he's not like he, he was born a man and became God. He was not born a man and become God. 
He was God when he was born. And he was God and man. How can this be? It is. He was all divine and he's all human. He came as a human so that he could be the sacrifice as human for our sins. The spotless lamb that's laid out in the Old Testament. But he had to be spotless. But he came as a man so he could be that sacrifice. But there were conditions on that sacrifice that you can only have, you can only meet if sinless, which that can only be Jesus. So he came, he limited himself. And when he came, he came for what purpose? We already talked about John 3.16. And in Ephesians 5.25, we talked about that. That's the scripture I was telling you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He came for the purpose of dying. When you look at Christmas, you look at Jesus' birth, it's necessary to enable the cross. If the cross was not necessary, his birth would not have been necessary. You have to look at, he was, he was killed, uh, crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. These became necessary to satisfy our need of forgiveness. For God so loved the world that he gave. But because that was necessary, his birth was necessary. And he humbled himself down. And the other benefit from that is not only that he walked among us and they had communion, the disciples learned from him, and we have the, the benefits of that in looking at Scripture, but also he was tempted like as we. And now he sits as the advocate to the Father. But he lived... Life, like we live life, struggled and dealt with life as we deal with life. He was hungry. But these things were necessary with the cross in mind. So we think about this. Why did he come? He came for our salvation. And so then when you, you say, when someone says, Jesus is the reason for the season. I could also submit to you that the reason for the season is you. The reason for the season is you. The reason that Christmas, as it were, Christ's birth, the nativity is necessary, is for the death. So the reason for the season is you, but the reason we celebrate is him. Because we celebrate in him the salvation, the hope of salvation that, that he gives to us. We celebrate his sacrifice to come down to the earth. And see, it wasn't just his death on the cross, but he humbled himself. He took on the sin. He did things that were not necessary for him. Unless he loved us 
so much that he came and died. So the reason for the season is really you. But the reason we celebrate is Christ. And so as we celebrate Christmas and we think about Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But in celebrating the birth of Jesus, we should celebrate in his sacrifice that he chose to come from glory to become a man with the view of the cross. We should celebrate his holiness. We should celebrate his birth. But we're not celebrating the start of Jesus, that then Jesus then became God. He was God when he was born. His name, his earthly name, is Jesus. His title, Christ, the Anointed One. The Messiah. Christ in the Greek, Messiah in the Hebrew. But through all that, he's the Son of God. And so that's how we, how we, we celebrate and so as we sing the Christmas carols and as we celebrate the giving of gifts, we should remember why he came, that he came full in view of that the cross was his destiny. And still he came. He still came accepting. But we should celebrate also his character. We should celebrate the love that God has for us. We should celebrate the sacrifice and the gift. And we should be thankful and be reminded that the reason he came was for you, was for me. And so the reason he came was also for those that are around us, also for those that uh, don't wait on us very well at the, at the store, that's been busy with all these shoppers. He, he came for those other shoppers that aren't very kind. He came for those people that run the website that you're trying to order the stuff from that doesn't work right. He came for them too. And so we should be reminded to keep things in perspective, and it can be difficult to do. Um, that includes me. But we're the reason he came. The person next to you the reason he came. The people you come in contact is the reason he came. So celebrate Christ's birth. Celebrate Christ. And let us remember why he came in the first place. And let's take advantage of that hope. Let's ask Jesus into our hearts. Let's renew our commitments to him. Let's turn from our backsliding and to him. Or let's take that next step and say, okay, I've been a Christian long enough. Now I need to surrender. I need to allow you complete control. I, I don't want you to just be my savior. I want you to be my savior and Lord. Let's be standing together. Father God, as we come together to and conclude this part of the service, we ask that you would help us to remember why you sent your son. Jesus, we thank you for coming as a babe, to limiting yourself, to stepping through that, to go through life like we go through life, to be tempted like we are tempted. We just thank you and for coming knowing that the cross was in your future, and you came anyhow. We pray, Father, that if there be any among us that have backslidden or any of that have turned away, or maybe they've never, that they would 
Just say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming for me, for my sins. I want to follow you now. I want to stop doing the things I shouldn't be doing, but I need some help. Help me to do that. And thank you for saving me. May they just pray that simple prayer. And for those that have backslidden or are sliding, Father, they're not leaning in. They're kind of leaning out. Father, that you'd help them to renew their commitment. And maybe there's some, Father, that have been Christians and now they know they need to go that next point and not just that you're their Savior, that you saved them from their sins, but you are going to be their, they want you to be their Lord. And they want to just surrender their lives. Say, Lord, whatever you want, here am I. Help us to demonstrate your love to others that we might remember that you not only died for us, but you died for them. And may we exemplify Christ's love as we come in contact with them. Help us in that shortcoming. Just guide and direct us. Help us to be thankful at this time for these things, but help us to celebrate your giving. Celebrate you. Celebrate your nature. Celebrate your love. And that we might be a light shining on a hill for others to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.